Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Narrative. The nothing personal word of the day for Monday, October 26th. I don't think we've used narrative yet. Clayton Kershaw has finally changed his narrative. Clayton Kershaw can't pitch in the postseason. He's terrible. He's not a big game pitcher. Don't give him the ball. He stinks. Clayton Kershaw has been one of the most dominant left-handed pitchers of all time. First ballot Hall of Famer. He's got one fewer ring than I do. He's got seven more playoff appearances in years than I have. Much less effective during the postseason heading into this year. All the talk. And by the way, I was one of them. Clayton Kershaw is not a number one anymore. He's a clear two, three now. We know that. But in this postseason, Clayton Kershaw is four and one. Wins don't matter, right? I hate that. Coco, can you imagine all of the new analytic guys and girls and people? It's not about wins. It's about leverage. It's not about hits. It's about launch angle. In the postseason, the only way to get one of these, and I'm showing my World Series ring if you're listening to this and not watching on YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson, because it was 17 years ago yesterday that the Marlins won game six to beat the Yankees four to two. There's the Yankees logo right there four two. Do you see it? Can you see it? Look right there four two showing it to the new camera. Thank you, CBS. Clayton Kershaw has four wins because you need in the postseason, <clears throat> the expanded postseason, you need two games in the first series, three games in the second. That's five, four in the LCS. That's nine, four in the World Series. That's 13. 13 victories equals a ring. Well, Clayton Kershaw has four of them out of 12. Hmm. That doesn't seem bad. House has earned run average. It's about 2.9, just under three. Not bad. What are opponents hitting off him? About 211. Not bad. What about strikeouts to walks? 37 to five. Not bad. Let's go back to the wins. Four and one. Let's go back to the ERA, 293. What we learned in game five is that Clayton Kershaw is Clayton Kershaw. The key to the game was getting early run support after the unbelievable end to game four, which was on Saturday night. But last night, Mookie Betts leads off the game with a double. Corey Seager drives him in. It's one nothing before the Rays can breathe. Tyler Glasnow, you couldn't. Did you watch the game? Coca, did you watch it or were you sleeping? What If you weren't sleeping, you noticed that Tyler Glasnow, who is this big, lanky body, he's really, really tall, and he's right on you when he's pitching. 
literally he's it, it's as though he's dropping the ball in the catcher's mitt but his release point was all over the place he was completely ineffective it's easy gas. He throws 98, 99, 100, 101, breaking ball, slider, curveball, changeup, everything. But the Dodgers got two runs off him early. They have a 3 nothing lead in the second inning. Clayton Kershaw has a lead before he gets on the rubber. All right, 2 nothing lead. Kershaw gets through the first inning. I'm watching because I'm watching what happens after a game four walk-off as what's happened when the Rays won game four. I'm watching because the trend of alternate wins in the World Series had been happening for four games. Dodgers, Rays, Dodgers, Rays, 2-2 going into game five. Then I'm watching Clayton Kershaw give up two runs. He bends, he doesn't break. It's 3-2. And then I see Max Muncy add on. You got to add on. We would tell our players, and we talk about this all the time, the concept of adding on. That means when you score runs early, and you're on the road. So guess who the road team was this weekend for games three, four, and five? It was the Dodgers. The games were played in Arlington, Texas at Globe Life Park, which, by the way, mattered because Mookie Betts had a defensive issue in right field at Globe Life Park because the ball skipped past him in the fourth inning. That caused an interesting inning, which we're going to talk about. And there's a new kind of turf. It's the new thing but it makes the ball skip. I was asking Andre Dawson about that, and he was icing his knees when he answered that question. So there's a little lead. Three to two, Kershaw bends, doesn't break. All of a sudden, first and third no outs, Rays are down a run in the bottom of the fourth inning. My assumption is the Rays are going to tie the game. My assumption is the Rays are going to at least tie the game. You always score when it's first and third no outs. We had a, uh, a situation with the Marlins where I was all over our GMs because here's how it works when you're not a baseball guy. You don't care about the stats. So let's say the stat is when it's first and third, no outs, your team will score 81% of the time. Let's just pretend that's the number. The number, the stat I always used is man on third, under two outs, you're going to score 68% of the time. For me, I always felt as though we scored 0% of the time. And I felt as though when we were pitching and the other team had a man on third with under two outs, that the other team scored 100% of the time. So that's what happens when you're in the front office. You don't understand reality. You assume the numbers are, we give it up 100% of the time and we get it 0% of the time. So here's what happens. First and third, no outs. You got Wendell up, pop out. A pop-out. I'm picturing Tony Perez and Andre Dawson and Jeff Conine, the special assistants for the Marlins, who I watched every game with. Dawson and Perez for 16 seasons, Conine after he retired. We would watch and we'd say, just put the ball in play. They would act like, hey, anybody can put the ball in play because it's two Hall of Famers and Mr. Marlin. I always thought, just put the ball in play. can't be that hard. Well, he put the ball in play. Wendell did pop up second base. Guess what? No one scores. No problem. First and third, one out. Up comes the shortstop. The cheerleader, you see him if you're watching the game, if you're one of the 10 million people watching, or if you see on CBS Sports HQ, or with us on YouTube. Adamus, he's been terrible. So what do you do when you have first and third, one out, and you have someone at the plate who the last hit that he had was watching The Departed? 
you go like this. You touch your nose, you touch your chin, you touch your ear. Nose, chin, ear, shoulder, shoulder, chest, nose. That's bunt. Nose, ear, nose, chin, shoulder, shoulder, chin, nose. Nope. They didn't do a safety squeeze. They didn't do a suicide squeeze. You know what they did? They did the strikeout call. That's the P-U. Hold your nose and stick your tongue out. It was not even a competitive at-bat. Two outs. Kershaw has a chance to get out of it. This is the Mikasuki moment of the game, folks. Up comes Kiermeyer. Lefty, lefty. Starts him off with a breaking ball. Can't touch it. Can't touch this. No, 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 no. I'm thinking to myself, he can't touch this. They're not going to score. All of a sudden, Kershaw comes set. Breaking from third. Margot has a lead. Justin Turner's playing off the base at third. Margot tries to go full Mark Harmon. Yes, you know Mark Harmon. Jody Foster stealing home. Margot tries to steal home. Kershaw comes set. Muncie at first base says step off. He steps off, throws home. Austin Barnes gets the ball, tags Margot by a hair of his chinny chin helmet. That's how close Margot came to stealing home. But he's out. That means that the Rays did not score. Kershaw bent, he didn't break. If a rookie is pitching in that situation, guess what happens? It's clear. He could have balked the run home because if you don't come set and you're still engaged with the rubber, that's a balk. You have to either come set, but you don't have time to do that. So you have to step off and then throw to home. Kershaw did it perfectly. A rookie pitcher, maybe Dustin May, he's not making that play. Then what happens? It always happens. When you don't score first and third no outs, you give up a run. Muncie Homer's top in the next inning. It's 4-2. Yada, yada, yada. Dave Roberts made several pitching decisions that were shocking. Brought in Victor Gonzalez to face two lefties, but he had to face Arazarena because of the new minimum three batter rule. Arazarena, who is now the world record holder. That's not what he is, Coca. Time out. Cut that. Cut it. Taking a drink of water. Give me a break. Arazarena, last night, broke the record. Not the rookie record. He, he is now the all-time record holder for home runs, base hits in the postseason. All-time. I don't think you realize how unbelievable that is. All-time. Okay. He's up. Guess what he does? First pitch swinging in the eighth inning with two men on. Down two. He goes deep there. They're winning 5-4. He's a rookie. You take a strike. First pitch swinging. Dave Roberts got away with it. And then in comes Kenley Jansen for the save. After last night when he blew the save, even though there were two errors on Chris Taylor game four, that's two nights ago. Wait, that doesn't look like Jansen. Dave Roberts hits his left hand. In comes Blake Trinan. Am I blanking? I think I'm blanking on Blake. Coca. I can't, by the way, this is what happens in the postseason. Is Trinan a righty or a lefty? I'm literally, this is unbelievable. Coca, pull it up. Just pull a video from he saved the game last night. 
I can't believe it. This is an outrage. I'd like to take 10 seconds. I'd like to apologize to all the viewers and listeners of Nothing Personal, because for me not to remember that Blake Trinan is most obviously a righty is an absolute disgrace. I'm going back and forth in my head. I'm going to settle on the fact that he's a right-handed pitcher. He has been leaned on heavily by Dave Roberts. He calls him in to save the game, and the Dodgers win game five. They rebound from the most unbelievable loss in game four. If you have not seen the final play from game four, I want to recreate it for you. So I'm in the CBS Sports HQ studio, and I'm watching the game. On a big, they got a huge TV, right? All the money they didn't spend on our equipment for nothing personal, they spent on TVs in the studio in Stanford, Connecticut. It's a monstrous TV with great sound, and there's monitors everywhere, people in earpieces. There's people wiping the tables and masks. They're bringing you food left, right, and center. You're getting back massages, foot massages. It's, it's amazing. Watching the final play of the game when it happened, There was a guy up at bat who you've never heard of. And I'll tell you right now, I'd never heard of him either. It's okay to admit that. Do you know that? So many executives will say, oh, I know that guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know everybody. There's pitchers and there's players I don't know. I've never heard of them. I'm not going to tell you about them if I don't know. I never heard of Brett Phillip. I just hadn't. He was a late season acquisition from the Royals. I'm pretending I knew that before the fact that I only knew it after he went into the game. And not because he went into the game as a pinch runner, didn't care. Not because when he was added to the World Series roster, he wasn't even on the LCS roster, still didn't care. Late inning pinch runner, whatever. Well, it became a little more significant when he had to hit. It was his third postseason at bat. That's it. He's against Kenley Jansen. It's two outs. Kenley Jansen's cut fastball right down the middle. Strike one, ball one, strike two. This game's over. Let's go. We're getting on set. Get ready. We're getting the highlights. We got the producers telling us, all right, we got this. Then we're going to that and this. It's a whole McGill of putting together a highlight package. Compliments to all the staff at HQ who put together highlights for all these games. There's something called a shot sheet, which tells the anchor what he has to say or she or they as the highlights are being shown on camera to you as you're watching. So we're ready to go. I'm going to input. I'm going to say a few things because I'm helping HQ during the World Series. One and two. Cut fastball. And I'm watching. And I said, no way. That's right down the middle. What's he doing? All you have to do is bounce it. And Philip is going to swing and the game's over. And then it's a 3-1 Dodger lead and they're going to win the World Series because there's no way the Rays are winning three in a row. Instead, he cuts the plate. The cut fastball didn't cut anything. It was like a kindergartner's scissors. You can't even cut a cuticle with it. It's a little dinker that finds a hole over the second baseman. Kike Hernandez tries, doesn't get it. Chris Taylor towards center field, bobbles the ball, error. The tying run is going to score. Throws it into Max Muncy at first base, the cutoff man. Randy Arazarena is doing his Vladimir Guerrero imitation. He didn't stop running. He was on first base. Do you understand? He was on first base when it was a simple blue pit to center field. He keeps running. All of a sudden, he trips between third and home. He's going to be out by 40 feet. I'm saying, my God, I got to stay awake. Give me one more sip of water that doesn't freeze. 
when it's below 32 because we're going to be here all night long, all night. That's what I'm thinking. And all of a sudden, Will Smith, the catcher, drops the ball from Max Muncie. Arazarena gets up, falls down, gets up, crawls, and he walks off. I jump up so high that I needed stitches. Not really. If you're watching this, Mom, don't worry. I didn't actually need stitches. It was the most unbelievable, craziest walk-off play I'd ever seen. Brett Phillip, the most unlikely hero of all time, had to get an IV after the game Saturday night because he was done, cashed. He had to give interviews. He had the quote of the day. I think I keep calling him Brett Phillip, by the way, which is perfect. I think there is an S on the end of his name. Okay, here's the quote from Brett Phillips. Ready? Have you won this game before as a 10-year-old standing in your backyard thinking about playing for the Rays? He said, it's definitely crossed my mind, just like every kid out there. I definitely want to extend some advice to all the kids out there. Keep dreaming big. These opportunities, they're closer than you think. They can come about. Just keep dreaming big, kids, of an opportunity like this, having an unrelenting belief that it will happen, and it does. Things like this happen. I'm going to be six feet. I'm going to be six feet. I'm going to be six feet. I am willing it to happen. It's going to happen. It can happen. It can happen. I'm going to put my feet at the end of the bed every night, and I'm going to stretch my arms out. It can happen. I believe it can happen. I am going to be able to dunk a basketball. I believe in myself. Yes, it can. Yeah. Ah, crikeys. I'm still 5'5". How many of you dream? Bases loaded. Bottom of the ninth. Tie game, fourth quarter. At the free throw line when you're taking your free throws. Well, I'm here to tell you, it ain't going to happen. For all you parents who think that your kid's going to be a professional player, Coke, I got to say this. When when I was, my son would play Little League Baseball when I was with the Marlins, and there'd be parents who'd be coming up to me and like giving me CDs of their kid playing. And all of them had private coaches. And it's unbelievable because all these parents think their kids are going to be big leaguers. And it's a fine. I want the kids to enjoy playing baseball, enjoy playing basketball, enjoy playing football. Because in order to be a professional baseball player, if your kid isn't the best on his team, every single team he's been on, and every team that he could be on, except he's not old enough to be on it, then your kid is not going to be a major league baseball player. Brett Phillips would have made your kid in Little League look like the way I looked on a basketball court. I still like that he's told told us to dream big. It's good. Dream the dream. I'm not here to quash your dreams. Only your subpoenas. (laughs) Subpoena. You don't have to X that out. I didn't say penis. I said subpoena, Coca. That's what you quash when you, yeah, whatever. Anyway, Brett Phillips did it. The Rays had great momentum. Do you know what you do in the clubhouse, by the way, after a game like that? When you win, it's exactly what happened with the Marlins in 2003. That's all I kept thinking about. The Marlins were down two games to one going into game four, just like the Rays were. Alex Gonzalez hits a walk-off home run off Jeff Weaver that just made it inside the foul pole. And guess what happened? We win. So it's now 2-2, and it was about to be, I felt as though it was going to be 3-1. After that game, I went in the clubhouse, hit Alex Gonzalez on the back. Good job. See you tomorrow. Went to see Jack McKeon. See you tomorrow, coach. That's it. It's business as usual. 
You don't stand there celebrating like you just won the World Series. You had a great win. You celebrated on the field, which the players did. The front office goes down. You're ready for game five. If you're the Dodgers and you lost that game or the Yankees who lost that game, here's what you do. You go into the clubhouse and you don't say another word. There's no coaching. There's no meeting. You don't call a team meeting. You don't talk to your manager if you're the GM or the president. You go back to the team hotel if you're on the road. You go to sleep. You may crush the mini bar and then you go to sleep. I don't mean like Denzel Washington in flight. Was that the name of that movie? What's the name of the Denzel Washington movie where he's crushing the minibar? He's an al- terrible alcoholic. And I'm not saying that any of us are alcoholics. I'm just saying that sometimes you do crush the minibar. I can't remember the name, the name of the movie. By the way, Coca, this is awesome for a Monday. Four minutes after we're talking about Phillips, he comes up to tell me that there are 36,000 players who participate in the NCAA for baseball. 791 get drafted which is 9.9% become major pro players. Let me ask you, are those guys in the minor leagues because those are professionals because they're getting paid or are those big league players? Because if you're going to tell me that 9.9% of the people in the NCAA become major league players, I'm going to say no. It's simply professional, which by the way is pretty cool. It really is. Thank you, Coca. That's a solid Monday stat. So the World Series has come to a pinnacle to tomorrow night is going to be game six. It's been Dodgers Rays, Dodgers Rays, Dodgers. Look for the Rays to win game six. It's a bullpen game for the Dodgers. They got Blake. I don't Snell against Tony. I don't play the Gonsolin. I just made those up, Coca. Was that that's that little Chris Berman? Have you heard those before? Does Berman do that? Chris Berman was a guy who would always give nicknames to to players. Blake, I don't Snell against. Is it Chris? Now, against Tony, I don't play the gunsling. <laughs> oh, my God. I got a problem. It's called the Bermanism. Thank you, Coca. You got to talk louder. We're in new equipment. We're in Stanford. I can't hear you. All right. Game six coming up. Not till Tuesday. We'll have more to say about it on tomorrow's Nothing Personal. Meanwhile, NFL Week 7 was a bit of a crazy week. What was crazy about it for me, I just want to point out two things that are fascinating. The Dallas Cowboys give us all sorts of great content here on Nothing Personal. I don't know if you saw, but Andy Dalton is concussed. They had to go to a quarterback named Ben. Can we go out tonight and eat at Danucci? He's some seventh-round pick out of Thomas Jefferson College, and uh, the Cowboys lost to the Washington football team. The Cowboys stink. Mike McCarthy had one of the great lines of all time. I love this. Ready? This is coach speak and McCarthy's hanging on by the thinnest of threads. We need to be much better and we're running out of time. I'm just going to leave that as is. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate that. Meanwhile, uh, I thought, did you see, did we talk about Antonio Brown, Coca? Remember I told you on Friday's show that Antonio Brown would not sign with the Seahawks because Pete Carroll and the Seahawks are way too smart. Well, guess where Antonio, so we got that way to see right from October, whatever it was, 23rd. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And then if it doesn't, we'll follow up. If it does, we'll follow up. Well, Antonio Brown signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rumors were everywhere that Tom Brady was involved, that he had, he spoke to Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker about Antonio Brown, or maybe he had Tony Robbins talk to Antonio Brown, or maybe he talked to Antonio Brown about Tony Robbins, whatever. 
All I know is if Tom Brady says that he wants a certain color Gatorade on the sideline, guess what? You're going to see that color Gatorade. If Tom Brady says he wants Rob Gronkowski as his tight end, it's got to be not, that's not his name. I think I'm missing three syllables. Rob Gronkowski. In his tight, Rob Gronkowski. Thank you. If you want him as your tight end, we'll sign him. No problem. Guess what? Antonio Brown's a Buccaneer. And what's interesting is that his coach is Bruce Arians, who wants no one to think that Tom Brady's in charge. It's wink, wink. It's like watching Los Angeles Lakers and thinking that LeBron James has nothing to do with personnel decisions. It's like watching the Los Angeles Lakers and thinking that Rob Palenka is making every decision. It's laughable. Bruce Arians said signing Antonio Brown had nothing to do with Tom Brady. Give me a break. Seriously. Why not just say it? Stand up and say, we are riding Tom Brady to our first ever Super Bowl. And wait, did Doug Williams win a Super Bowl in Tampa? I think he won one in Washington, not Tampa. I don't believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have ever won a Super Bowl. Therefore, stand up and say, we have Tom Brady here to win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady approached us and believes that Antonio Brown can help us win that ring. We are going to sign him. Just say it. Anyway, Bruce Arians is a big man of quoting. He said uh, back when the season hadn't started yet, he was taught, he was asked about Antonio Brown. This made me laugh. And his answer was, I think we have this right, Coca, because if we have the video, can, is there a button you can press that can go to video of Bruce Arians saying it ain't going to happen about signing Antonio Brown? Can we do can we, can we what if I press one of these like purple buttons I have in front of me? Hold on. If I press that button, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Do you hear the music if I press that button? Anyway, he said it ain't going to happen and it did. Just admit why. All right, nothing personal. Pick of the day. God, we're down to 30 and 26. Why did I pick the Eagles? Did I pick the Eagles to cover against the Giants? What a joke. Eagles didn't cover. They won, but they didn't cover. And the Rays lost game three. So I think I lost everything. And for some reason, I had the Rays in game four. But I don't think we covered on nothing personal, Coco. Do I get credit for that then? I guess that's a no. All right, I'm 30 and 26. We got a Monday night game. It's the Chicago Bears. The Bears playing the, I was going to say St. Louis Rams. I think it's the Los Angeles Rams now. The Bears are plus six. The Bears are five and one. I don't know how they are because they're mediocre with a capital M ending with E. But I think that the Rams are in trouble with a capital T. Take the Bears, take the six points, and let's try to get a win. All right, when we come back, we're going to get to major NBA news. Major NBA news. We will have a correction, and we are going to review Borat. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. 
Ramps business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramps software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for staying with us. We're going to review Borat. We're going to get to the NBA. We're going to have a correction too, but who didn't watch Borat? Here's the name of the movie I watched this weekend. It came out on... Friday night, I watched it immediately. Borat, subsequent movie film, colon, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. I'm not kidding. That is the name of the movie. Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. So Borat is played by Sasha Baron Cohen. It's a character from Kazakhstan. He has to come to America and he has to try to make good. And he's trying to deliver his daughter to the vice president of the United States. His daughter is played by a 24-year-old actress named Maria Baklava. I highly doubt her name is pronounced Baklava, but I'm having a bit of a craving for a Baklava right now. And you can follow her on Instagram to see why. So, but in the movie, she plays a 15-year-old daughter. The scene that everyone's talking about is the end of the movie with the former mayor of New York, the man with great gravitas, the man who loves the Yankees, the man who's the personal lawyer for our current president. He agreed to grant an interview for a very conservative paper or station. It was the most awkward interview of all time. And it was real. This is real. So Maria is a blonde woman who looks like she's 15, but she's not. I believe that Mayor Giuliani was told that she was 15. He's very awkwardly flirting with her, which in and of itself is not a felony, but it is borderline felonious behavior. Then she says, do you want to go into the bedroom? Because it was a one bedroom suite. Picture like if you watch the 60 Minutes Trump interview with Leslie Stahl, there's all sorts of cameras, there's equipment everywhere. It's an actual real interview. They go into the bedroom. The next thing you know, it's viral because Giuliani is lying on his back on the bed. And the claim was that he was tucking in his shirt after the removal of his microphone, which was used for the interview. I'll let you be the judge. What you saw on Twitter, the viral still shot. You got to see the full scene. It's cringeworthy. There are scenes in Borat that will make you laugh out loud. There are scenes in Borat that will make you frown inside. There are scenes in Borat that will make you say, is this where we live? There are scenes in Borat that will make you say, I wish we lived there. All in all, he is one talented dude. Go see Borat. Okay. I want to talk about the NBA right now. The NBA is a league that somehow made it through the bubble. 
We made it through the bubble. Yes, they did. They crowned a champion. It is now the end of October. They wanted to start their season December 1. And news came out today. That, or yesterday, can't remember, whichever day. Sometime since the last Nothing Personal. That the NBA is looking to play a 72-game regular season. They normally would play 82 games. So they're looking to play a shortened regular season beginning sometime before Christmas, around December 22nd. Remember uh, David Silver. It used to be. It used to be David Stern, rest in peace. The new commissioner's Adam Silver, not so new anymore. What year is he in Coke? He's got to be in his eighth year by now. Not new at all. Adam Silver had said he wanted to start December 1st. We told you on Nothing Personal was never going to happen. The union needed more rest for its players. They don't want to go into a bubble. There's a huge concern about COVID spikes right now. There's a huge concern that fans will not be allowed in large numbers in indoor stadiums by December However, the NBA has to start by Christmas, and the players know it. Why? Say it with me. Come on. One, two, three. Rights fees. Christmas is a huge day for the NBA. They always have a double or triple header on national television. They have got to have games played on Christmas Day. So the NBA announced that they're going to start before Christmas. They announced, by the way, these are sourced, but this is what they're negotiating with the Players Union. They're negotiating some sort of play-in tournament before the season starts. Negotiating the loss of an All-Star weekend. By the way, not a wait to see. But any time All-Star games are canceled. And you know what, Coke? I haven't read about this with baseball. There's so many players who have clauses in their contracts where they get bonuses for being either selected or elected to an all-star game. We would give more money in bonuses to players for election versus selection. Because if you are elected to the Hall of Fame, that is the fan vote. And we wanted our players to be elected. We wanted to compensate them more for being elected because it means that they're out there trying. They're having a great season and the fans are appreciating them. It was and That means they're going to be a starter. Not as much of a bonus if you're selected because so many players in in baseball become all-stars because of replacements and injuries, et cetera. So the question is, without an all-star game as there wasn't this year, do do the players all lose those bonuses? That's negotiated with the union before the season starts. In the NBA, it's the same thing. This game is a moneymaker for the players. I think you get like 100 grand if you win the game, if you're on the winning team, 25 grand if you lose, plus any sort of bonus in your contract for being named an all-star. But the NBA is suggesting that the All-Star Weekend is not going to happen. The NBA is also suggesting a two-week break during the season. The NBA is also suggesting that they will be done with next year's NBA Finals before the supposed Olympics start in July of 21. Why is that important? Because so many players are foreign-born and they go play for their countries in the Olympics where it's a far bigger deal than it is here in the U.S. Wait to see not official, will the Tokyo Olympics even happen next July of 2021? So the NBA is keeping all this in mind. What did the source of this information not tell you? Something important. None of this can happen in the NBA until it's fully negotiated with the union. So the union wants to know the following. What is the BRI? in 2020 in the pandemic-shortened bubble season. BRI is called 
basketball-related income. Why does BRI, BRI interest the union? Because BRI is used to figure out the CAP. And the higher the CAP, the more D-O-L-L-A-R-S goes to the players. When owners don't know what the salary cap is, when owners don't know what the luxury tax threshold is, owners are not diving into free agency. And in the NBA, free agency is where it's at. It's what every player is waiting for. Frankly, it's the case in every league except the NFL. But in, but in baseball and in basketball, that's the case. Owners and the players who got along so famously as they worked toward that great bubble in Orlando for the 2020 season that ended with the Lakers winning a championship and everybody who criticized baseball for all that fighting. Well, we were here on nothing personal telling you that there's going to be fighting in the NBA. It's a matter of when, not if. The NBA has been a leader during COVID. You know that. You know that when Rudy Gobert tested positive, they shut down the league, and that was the domino effect that led to basically the country shutting down. You also have read and heard that the NBA lost almost a billion and a half dollars of revenue because of the pandemic. That means that the cap is going down and the luxury tax threshold. That means the teams that thought they were going to be above the cap because the cap would keep growing. I'm sorry, the teams would be below the cap. Edit that out, Coca. Nah, we don't edit on nothing personal. Teams thought they would stay below the cap. Let's say the Rockets who signed Russell Westbrook along with James Harden felt as though they would stay below because the cap grows every year, because income grows every year. There's no way anyone projected this sort of revenue disruption, this sort of business interruption that happened with the pandemic. So what the owners are saying to the players is, you've got to have a quick turnaround from last season. We're going to start training camp Thanksgiving. We're starting the regular season on the 22nd. We've got to figure out how to play basketball, or else we're going to have to go back in the bubble. And the union is saying there's no more bubble. We're not doing it. That is an official wait to see. So there's going to be a ton of compromise on each side. The compromise will come in the form of what the agreed upon salary cap will be and what the agreed upon luxury tax threshold will be, which has always been based on a formula that uses basketball related income. But there's an opportunity right now for a renegotiation of the collective bargaining agreement that could change the definition of how you get to a cap and a tax threshold. There's a lot of work to be done in the NBA and work they will have to do. In the meantime, there will be basketball next year. The Lakers will get to defend their title. It feels like Christmas is tomorrow. It sort of feels like it's July. In any case, the NBA is starting to negotiate, and I mean soon. Okay. I want to tell you on nothing personal something that matters to me, and that is when I make mistakes, you know I give you corrections. The thing about corrections for me is that when I, when I started Nothing Personal, I had many people giving me advice and they said, here's what you do. Never release your show until it's perfect. If you have to redo a segment, you redo it. If you say something wrong, you cannot have that on your show, redo it. And Coke and I fought that. Because we thought that delivering to you 45 straight minutes, no guests, no callers, 
Just me talking about what's trending. Coca yelling in my ear when I'm boring him. We give it to you straight. And by definition, we're going to get some things wrong. And I own it. I wear it. And I love it because you tell me. And I love the loyalty that I have and the listeners and the viewers that we have with Nothing Personal. I said sometime last week that there was a home run hit in the ninth spot by the Dodgers. I said it was the first home run in the World Series out of the ninth spot. I meant to say it was the first home run by the Dodgers in a World Series out of the ninth spot since Kirk Gibson in 1988. And a loyal listener or viewer on YouTube said Joe Blanton of the Phillies hit a home run from the ninth spot in game four of the 2008 World Series. I had no recollection of that ever. There's no way I would have come up with that. That's a correction without an edit. Okay. One of the great universities is in Evanston, Illinois. It's Northwestern. It is a phenomenal school. You know, they're in the big 17. You know that uh, they have a phenomenal undergraduate program, phenomenal graduate program. The president of their university is a guy named Morty Shapiro. I never thought Morty Shapiro would make nothing personal, but a story came out that we have no choice but to discuss. I call him Morty. His name is Morton Shapiro, but it really is Morty. Morty to people who know of him or know him. There's a lot of angst on college campuses right now for good reason. There's a lot of issues that students are having. They're worried about safety. They're worried about representation. They're worried about police brutality. They're worried about money being spent on athletics when it should be spent on academics. The thing about college and universities is that it gives kids between the ages of 18 and 22, undergraduates, an opportunity to begin to flex their adult muscles because they're not children. They're not adults. They're in this sort of purgatory in the middle where they think they know everything, but they'll look back at college and they'll realize that they didn't know anything. I was the same. When I left home and I went to college, when I went to Tufts for freshman year and then Wisconsin, the last three years of my college career, my parents didn't know the first thing. I knew everything. I had all the answers. I wanted to get involved in something. I got involved and I thought I had every solution. Students right now participate. There's protests on college campuses around the country. And I love and I respect and I admire a student's right to protest. I want students to have a right to say what they feel, to try to effectuate change on college campuses. I'm in. It's a great time to flex your intellectual muscles. Here's what I'm not in for. I'm not in for violence. I'm not in for looting. I'm not in for mayhem. I'm in for intellectual discourse. I am in for conversation. I've been lucky enough to spend time on the campus of Northwestern. I've been lucky enough to spend time on the campus of Yale in New Haven, where there are protests and there are conversations that happen. They always make the news. The president of Yale, a man named Peter Salovey, has to deal with issues that as a president of a baseball team, you can't even fathom. It's, it's so hard to be the president of university. Remember talking to Jonathan Holloway, 
who worked both at Yale and Northwestern, is now the president of Rutgers, who, by the way, got their first Big Ten win. Congratulations to Jonathan Holloway. Big Ten started. I was just picturing Jonathan Holloway, by the way, watching his football team win a game, being all excited about the win, but saying, I can't believe we're playing. I can't believe I got so overruled because of COVID. But his last school where he was the provost was Northwestern, and Maurice Shapiro is in trouble. They are calling for Maurice Shapiro to be fired, to be released from his job. Students there are protesting. They want to defund the Northwestern on-campus security. They want to take the million dollars budget that is used for Northwestern security. It's not the Evanston police. It's the separate university police force or security force. They want to take that money and use it in a far different way to improve emotional and physical security for black students through other support services. Maurice Shapiro has been clear that he does not want to defund. Remember, when we say defund the police, that doesn't mean you want to eliminate police forces. It means you want to take a look at the budgets and see if you can reallocate in terms of helping a community so that the police may not be needed as much. Everyone is now calling for Morty's resignation because he criticized the student protesters. He actually accused them of being anti-Semitic, by the way. Students were demonstrating. And here's what Morty wrote. He wrote a letter to all the students. And in it, he said, when students and other participants are vandalizing property, lighting fires and spray painting phrases such as kill the pigs. We have moved well past legitimate forms of free speech. I remain as open as ever to speak to any member of the Northwestern family who has concerns about the safety of this campus and everyone who is a part of it. But I refuse to engage with individuals who continue to use the tactics of intimidation and violence. Is he wrong? He's not to me. You make the judgment. How do you change your mind when you take a position on something in your office or in your school or with your spouse, your significant other, with your child? What makes you change your mind? A temper tantrum? Or a logical explanation that the way you're looking at this can be seen through a different lens? That the decision you made may be wrong when certain factors are now considered that you didn't think of. Or do you change your mind when your child throws his or her food all over the floor, when your teenager storms away and slams the door, when your significant other slams the door, gets in the car and goes away, when your boss tells you just shove it and do what I say, does that help you get motivated? I don't blame Morty Shapiro for taking the position he took. It is an impossible situation for university presidents these days. It's an impossible situation for all of us where there can be violence when nonviolence and conversation should be the order of the day. Right now, it has gotten extremely personal against Morty Shapiro and Northwestern. When this whole time It should just have been business. Here you go. Here you go. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.